Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Living Hope Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information about our church, please visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another good day to be together. Lord, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Lord, I thank you for that fantastic reflection on tuning our hearts, Lord, to worship you. Lord, we are so grateful for your Holy Spirit, for your scripture, for your truth. Lord, I pray that we would learn from your Holy Spirit, learn from your, your word this morning. And uh, that in all of this, that you would be glorified and that your kingdom would expand. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Uh, it's been a little bit interesting the last couple weeks uh, to watch the news. Um, per- well, there's lots of stuff going on in the news. There always is. Um, but in particular, you know, with the Queen's passing, the, one of the things, and especially just kind of with reflecting on, on what we have today in Scripture, all of the, like, formality and procedure, and like etiquette that is, that is around, that like I, there was one, someone actually took the time to write an article, and it was, you know, did one of the princes break PDA protocol by, by holding hands, and you know, it sh- they were walking somewhere, and the, the one prince and his wife were not holding hands, and the other prince and his wife were holding hands, and apparently this was a big enough deal that someone felt like they needed to write an article on it. Just like, wow, good heavens, you know? And just, and it just, you, you have this, this sense that somewhere written down is just a massive book on like, this is what you need to do, and this is how you behave, and, and this is what happens next, and that there's just a very structured system in all of this. And, you know, you, you, you look at, at, you know, just that whole family, and, you know, for a fleeting moment, you're like, well, I guess maybe the luxury would be kind of nice, but if you look at, like, how they have to live and what they're expected to do and not expected to do, like, there's almost like a prison element to it that just does not appeal to me at all. And not like a physical prison, but just like this behavioral expectation prison on what you can do and can't do um, around, around all of this. And it's actually, the, the other part of this that's kind of interesting, like, we encounter this in, in a different realm, but but still kind of the same thing. So in working with, with missions and going internationally, you know, each culture and each people group really kind of has a lot of unspoken rules on how you behave and, and how you interact with one another. And so when we would send teams out, they would every time bump up against this at some point, and it's just kind of this broad banner of culture shock. But each culture has rules on what they consider like good adult behavior, right? Like, do you make eye contact when you talk with a person? Do you not make eye contact with the person? Do you shake the hand? Do you bow? Now we're, now we're fist bumping and elbow bumping, like all these other kinds of things. Um, in a lot of cultures, it's hugely offensive to show them the bottom of your foot. That's like giving them the finger, in essence. And so if you're casually sitting around and you prop your feet up on the table, well, you've just like flipped off the entire Sunday school class. Well, that's bad behavior. You know, and so, but the interesting thing is, is that, that typically we don't, there's always kind of this expectation, like when you send out a team and kind of from the receiving culture, that you know how to behave, 
But if, if you behave wrongly, then, then they're shocked and they're hurt and they're surprised by that. And you don't know until, like, someone has the courtesy to, to basically tell you. Um, uh, when I did Shrek, so we went, we did training, we were in Abbotsford for, for two months. Prior to that, I had not spent um, much time in Canada at all. Um, then we were sent to um, Edmonton. We show up in Edmonton and we're just kind of getting to, to know everybody. And I, I don't, you know, and all this other kind of stuff. And like, I think it was like one of the opening parties or like within the first week or two, this one gal was like, okay, I got a question for you. Do people in the States wear their shoes in the house? Because I watch these sitcoms and they all have their shoes in the house. And I'm like, well, that's not realistic. And I was like, um, I guess, I guess we do. Like, is that not very common in Edmonton to take your shoes off right away, right? It's northern, it's cold, there's a lot of snow, you know, they get muddy and dirty. Very common to take your shoes off as soon as you walk in the house. And that conversation has always stuck with me about whether or not Americans wear their shoes in the house, right? But it's just, it's this cultural etiquette thing on, on how you behave. Um, so we're, we're working through a sermon series in the book of Luke. We're in chapter 14. We're, we're going to cover a fair bit of material today, um, 24 verses. I'm going to read this to you uh, here in, in just a section, in, in just a minute. Um, but Jesus goes to a banquet. We really don't know why he goes to the banquet, but he goes to the banquet. And as you're going to see, pretty much the whole thing was a setup. I mean, they, they weren't really trying to honor him. They were basically just trying to trap him. He goes to the banquet, and like any other culture, right, there's rules and expectations and protocol and how you behave and what you do, and part of it, Jesus is going to speak into that around some of their, their rules and, and, their, and their etiquette established. And there's really kind of three stories or three things that, that happen, and um, we're going to cover go over those today. And in typical Jesus fashion, there's like this earthly layer that's just like great advice for day-to-day living but then jesus throws in something kind of right at the end and you're like oh there's like this whole other spiritual realm that he's hinting at or prophesying about or alluding to or or speaking towards so let me let me read these verses to you i'm in luke i'm in um, chapter 14 one sabbath when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the pharisees right so not just pharisee ruler of the Pharisees, right? Hot stuff here. Um, They were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said, Which of you, having a son, some translations will write donkey, which is interesting that son and donkey were apparently the same word in Greek. I'm not sure. You could unpack that one a lot. Uh, Which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how close the, um, the places of honor saying to them, or how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will be, uh, then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, 
and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He said also to the man who invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to them, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to those who had been invited. Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, "Um, I have bought five uh, yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to the servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet." So, the first thing that happens is that he heals a man on a Sabbath. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. There's another story where Jesus heals a man on a a Sabbath. And so, uh, that part we'll just kind of move through quickly. He had dropsy. Um, Luke was a a medical doctor, so he gives us good details. But um, that's that's a medical condition where, for whatever reason, your body retains water. And so, there's a lot of, like, swelling or or edema. And um, typically, a man like this, with this medical condition would not be invited to this kind of banquet. Um, from, from what the, the scholars say, like that, that just would not have happened. Um, also, this, prop, this um, party probably had a lot of upper class. Remember, like this was a ruler of the Pharisees. And then Luke also tells us how they were watching him carefully. And all of that suggests that really the whole thing was just a setup. Right? Like, like this man with drops, he was just a pawn getting played, whether or not he knew it. Uh, but it was just a setup to see if, you know, Jesus would heal on the Sabbath, and then, you know, they could catch him in the act on healing on the Sabbath, you know. So, in many ways, the party is devious from the start. Um, they thought if they could catch him in the act, then they could scold him or something. But, uh, you know, like, they have no idea just, like, how out of line, like, Jesus is about to get, and how much he's really going to kind of push things here. So Jesus heals the man in front of everybody and sends him on the way. Um, then, then this part. He tells the parable um, who were invited when they noticed how they chose the places of honor. Saying then, when you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place. Then your host will come, and he will say to you, friend, move up to the higher. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. And then this line. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So a a great lesson on humility, right? On just very practical stuff on humility. Um, Remember, too, that, you know, in ancient times, it was considered a good thing to seek your own status or your own elevation 
you know, and obviously they have protocol at these banquets where you were arranged in order of your status, which is not something that, that we do, so that part of that is, is maybe a little bit foreign to us, um, but that is, that is something that, that they do. Um, when I was at uh, University of South Dakota, I had just arrived there, you know, just kind of in the early days. I didn't know anyone. I was just like in this basement lab working all day long. Uh, really had like no friends. But there were a couple of events on campus, one of them arranged by, I, th- I think it was Campus Crusade for Christ. And they had this big event. Um, and I went and, you know, I'm like, well, you know, I'd like to meet some of these people and make some friends and find out what's going on and that kind of thing. And afterwards, you know, there's all this kind of this mingling about, and it's like, you know, I'd I'd like to meet some of these people, but it just kind of seemed a little bit weird to just sort of walk up and try to introduce myself and, you know, talk about, you know, what a big shot I was or, you know, some ridiculous thing like that. Um, And so I really wasn't entirely sure what to do because I I wasn't all that brilliant. Um, So I just helped out. They had a lot of chairs to put away. I wasn't really sure how to get to know people, so I just helped out and I started putting away chairs. Helped them. There were a lot of chairs. Put away all the chur- chairs. No one, no one really talked to me during that time. Um, we got all the chairs put away. By the time we were done, everyone else had, cl- had clean, cleared out, you know, and it was just, you know, kind of the people who had organized this event. And they all came and circled around me and wanted to know, like, who I was and where I was from. And I learned something in that moment in, that really kind of aligns with, with Jesus' parable. You know, if you go into an event like that and try to impress everybody by just telling them how awesome you are, honestly, it's probably not going to get you that far. But if you show up at an event and you work hard and you help out, oh, they will track you down, let me tell you. Who is this person? Where are they from? What's going on? Can we get to know him? So there's this very real sense that, that, you know, there's just some good practical wisdom in this. But then Jesus adds this at the end. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And I think Jesus is telling us something deeper. And because we have other scriptures, you know, we, we can see that. And I think what Jesus is hinting at here, and and really what we do see in the rest of the scriptures, but what he's, you know, just continuing to to, to parse out to us, is that heaven is really going to be almost almost a confusing rearrangement of who we thought were the important people. You know, I mean, there will be some people who amaze us on earth that we'll probably be amazed with them in heaven, there'll be some people that amazed us on earth and you know they're going to be kind of like average at best in in heavenly status whatever that looks like i don't know and there will be some that don't really impress us and we'll get to heaven and we'll be like wow i had no idea i had no idea and it's not just like this sort of like automatic reversal i i don't think it's that simplistic but but just that god values things that are so different to just the kind of the sinful, carnful man, that, that if you're not paying close attention, I think you'll be very surprised at who is honored and who is not when we get to heaven. Erland, 
mowed our church lawn for years. For years, he served us water on Wednesday night. And if you knew him personally, that man inspired you on what it looked like to love Jesus. Verses like this, I think of Erwin's. The one who humbles himself will be exalted. And then the story continues. And, and again, we have like some very real earthly application. But then at the end, you realize that Jesus is speaking of something much bigger. And so next, Jesus talks about hospitality. And again, kind of speaks about it at, at two levels. He said to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor and the cripple and the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So this is the first layer, right? Like there's a sense of, you know, this is, this is hospitality, right? Like just, you know, person to person, you know, earthly level, physical, relational hospitality. And I listened to the, the most fascinating podcast this week because Jesus is funny and sometimes he likes to just coincidentally arrange that I listen to one podcast that completely ties in with what we're talking about in scripture. Um, Family Life Today did a podcast where they interviewed a guy named um, Don, uh, what's his name, Don Everts. He wrote a book called The Spiritually Vibrant Home. So Don is part of some group, I forget their name, but they work with Barna Research Group, who just does all this research. And so they had a question, and they're like, hey, spiritually vibrant homes, what does that look like? All right, so Barna goes out, and they figure out some scientific way to blah, 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 and they find all of these spiritually vibrant homes, and whatever. So they're able to do this. All right, all these spiritual vibrant homes. Then they take that group, and then they just ask them heaps and heaps of questions, and they look for similarities between them, right? Like, do we see consistent things? And they found three things on spiritually vibrant homes. And then they, they did kind of some wood, good wordsmithing to just help us remember it. One they called um, messy prayers. So they, you know, they, they prayed with the kids. And it was, he emphasized, it's not that people were good at it, it's just that they did it. Right? Like, you, you don't have to be good. You just got to, like, get in the game, you know? And so it's okay that they're messy. So they, they prayed with the kids. Messy prayers. Um, loud tables, right? They talked about stuff. They talked about scripture. Other research has shown that most of the talking happens around food, you know, and dinner tables and that kind of thing. And so loud tables. The third character trait of these spiritually vibrant homes was hospitality. And they call that one open doors. And, and apparently in their research, they said, look, it, di it didn't really matter who, but just that there were people in and out of the home. And, and so I've ordered the book, but it's not here yet, and so I can't give you all the details on this. But just, just in ways I don't yet fully understand, somehow, for some reason, having guests in your home is spiritually healthy for your family. And yet, 
in some ways that shouldn't surprise us. In his letter to Titus, Paul says that the elders of the church need to exhibit good hospitality. That's one of the qualifications. Peter also said that Christians should extend hospitality to one another. In the book of Romans, it says that we should offer hospitality. Old Testament had lots of stuff about offering hospitality. And then in our story today, Jesus gives us his parable and he talks about hospitality. But here in this case, it's not just hospitality to friends, but it's actually hospitality to those who cannot repay, right? And which is this whole other level of hospitality because there, there are parts of where scripture talks about hospitality, but it's often hospitality towards the stranger. I will say one of the most fascinating books that I've read on hospitality and also the LGB community and what, whatever, but um, is actually a book entitled The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And, and if you're interested in, in, in understanding more and going deeper in, in hospitality, that is one book I would recommend. Fascinating book um, on, on hospitality. You know, so like, you know, grew up middle class, like we're pretty much all middle class, which is great, good stuff. Um, but, I, you know, I mean, I've lived long enough and traveled enough that, you know, I've gotten to eat at a nice restaurant or, you know, like we went on a cruise or a couple times I've gotten to fly first class. One time was international, so that was really aw- like the really nice pods, you know, like flying first class. Like I was like, I am not sleeping on this flight because I am taking advantage of everything. So even though you can lay down flat and sleep, I stayed up for all of it because I just didn't want to miss anything. Um, and, you know, like it's fun. Like I'm not going to deny that, right? Like the ritzy places, like it's fun. Like, that's, that's cool. Without question, the best hospitality I have received and the hospitality that I have most deeply appreciated is when I am absolutely ragged, worn out, exhausted, just spent. We had... Um, couple months ago, I got sick for a week. I don't know, probably COVID, but um, was out for like a whole week. And then there was a house fire on Saturday morning and, you know, my quarantine period had passed. So I thought, well, they, they need help. So I went out to help. Shouldn't have gone, right? Like energy levels were not back. Wasn't hydrated. Just sweated myself dry right away. It was just totally spent. Had no energy, um, you know, pretty quick. You know, some guy sees me, calls me over, has me sit in, you know, the air conditioned ambulance, gives me some cold water, checks my vitals, you know, just has me recover a bit. To that dude, and I don't know who that dude was, just some other volunteer, right? Not even like a good looking dude, just some some hairy guy, you know, but like, God bless you, sir, because I needed that. And I would... On that note, like, shout out to our first responders, right? Police, EMTs, firefighters, your ER staff, your nurses, even the Red Cross. Because they literally show up on the worst day of your life. The worst day of your life. And in that moment of loss and brokenness and chaos, they voluntarily step in and help out. And it was actually Mark Danielson who, who first opened my eyes to this. But in, there is almost like this, this spiritual aspect of it in, in, that in a way that they're trying to step in and fix and restore what Satan and, and sin have taken from you. 
And that's some good hospitality right there. I love good hospitality when everything is bright and shiny. Like, that's awesome. Backyard barbecues. Love it. All great stuff. But when I am ragged and exhausted and someone sees me and steps into that situation and is just like, here's something you need that you're too proud to ask for, like, that has been the best hospitality I've ever received. Mark 9, 41, Jesus says this, For truly I say to you, whoever gives a cup of cold water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. So Jesus gives us stuff on good hospitality between people, and then it's great. But then Jesus takes it one step further. And, and again, it's, it's, it's other scriptures that help us understand what, what's going on here um, in this story. But also from other scriptures, we know that this is probably the point in the banquet where everyone else just lost their ever-loving mind by the words of Jesus. So Jesus carries on. Verse 15. Um, uh, oh, when one of you—actually, let me, let me skip ahead, because there's—some <laughs> guy chimes in. I think he's trying to cut the awkwardness, and Jesus just kind of keeps going on. Uh, when one of you reclined at the table heard this, he said, Blessed is everyone— We'll eat at the bread of the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. And I think what you're going to see where, where Jesus is, is speaking at two layers, right, is that the banquet is heaven or the kingdom of God. The host is God the Father. And at some point in time, I think everyone in that room realized that what Jesus is saying is talking about who gets to go to heaven, who gets to have fellowship with God, and, and who does not. So he carries on, um, but he talks about, you know, and so there's a part about all these people making excuses. Um, and then, then he says, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city, bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant says, What you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. I think at this point, maybe it's getting a little bit tense in the room, but it's at least still manageable. And then Jesus says this. Master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. And I think that what has happened is that Jesus has just prophesied that the Gentiles, that's non-Jews, that's you and me, are also going to be told the gospel. And we also are given the opportunity to be with God and have fellowship with God and reconciliation with God. But, and if that isn't bad enough, not all Jews are going to be welcomed in by God simply because of their nationality. Right? And we we know from other scriptures that in the Jewish community, this was the most insulting, infuriating, just rage-inducing comment that a person could make in, in their community. Um, for a few thousand years, you know, the Jews believed that, that they and they alone were in right relationship with God simply because of their nationality. And then Jesus shows up and is like, man, the gospel is going to go to the whole world. And, you know, citizenship in heaven and in the kingdom of God has really nothing to do with your, your earthly citizenship and your nationality. Paul writes about the great mystery revealed in his, le- in his letter um, that we record, Colossians. Paul writes, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. And then he calls it this, the mystery. 
hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. So here's the thing. A spiritual hospitality was extended to you and I. Right? And because of that, we can be reconciled to God. We can have forgiveness of sins. We can have fellowship with God. All of this kind of stuff, right? Holy Spirit living within us, eternity with God. And it's just, we see all these other great examples in Scripture. We love others because God loves us. We forgive others because God forgave us. And in this, I think we see that we extend earthly hospitality and even spiritual hospitality because God first extended hospitality to us and welcomed, him, welcomed us into this banquet that we originally like, weren't invited to. When you talk about Jesus... All you're doing is extending the same hospitality that was extended to you. It's, it's simply an act of hospitality. Jesus attends a lavish banquet. But it's a setup. But Jesus knows it. He heals a man, even though it offended people, because Jesus loves people. And then he teaches us about humility. And, and then he gives us this little reminder at the end that that heaven just has a different value system that we do when it comes to honoring people. And then he teaches us about hospitality. And, and earthly hospitality is important and commanded in Scripture, and it's good for our families who knew, but that's a thing. But there's also this spiritual reality that the hospitality of heaven was extended to you and I as well. And so from that, we extend hospitality to others, earthly and spiritual. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your hospitality to us. That is not something that we deserved. That is not something that we earned. That is not something that was due us. That was not something that we were entitled to. But Lord, you, you threw this lavish banquet and you invited us. And we're thrilled to say, that sounds awesome. We would love to come, and we would love to be a part of that. Lord, our desire, and I believe your command, is that we would pass along that hospitality. And the earthly hospitality is important and strategic, and the earthly humility as well, too, but we want to extend that spiritual hospitality as well, too. And Lord, may our, may our, may our earthly and physical hospitality simply be a reflection and a talking point about the hospitality that that you give to us so lord this morning we're grateful we're just really really grateful and we say that we love you and we worship you in your name amen thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have any questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com or email me directly at luke at livinghopehenderson.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.